0: I'm delighted you've made it your decision to be here tonight, and I hope you've got your Bible with you and eager to study with us. Hopefully, something will be said that'll help you and encourage you as you make your journey toward heaven. There are times that we all, every one of us, no matter who you are, need encouragement. In fact, there's always someone in a situation that could use encouragement. This month, it may be. A family or two that have a circumstance and a situation that they really need some encouragement. Next month, it may be someone else that needs encouragement. And the month after that, it may be someone else who needs some encouragement because of varying circumstances from family to family. Many of us come to services hoping to be encouraged. Sometimes we walk away without that encouragement. One of our motives in coming is we come hoping that when I go to services that I'll walk away encouraged. It came for encouragement. And did I get that encouragement while I was here? Sometimes our words and our actions are crying out, though we may not say it verbally, but our actions and our words cry out saying, I need encouragement. And so as we engage other Christians, we may hear them saying things that's actually saying, I need to be encouraged. Or their actions may show, I need to be encouraged. I need encouragement. It is altogether possible that we are being encouraged, though we don't realize we're being encouraged. Maybe you come to services and you say, I I, I came with the thought I wanted to be encouraged while I was there, but I really wasn't encouraged. And you may have been encouraged and didn't realize that what was being done or what was being said or comments made to you afterwards were a means of encouragement. And you'll see why I say that a little bit later. So let's talk tonight about encouragement, the help that we all need. Let's talk about encouragement for a little while. Three things I want to talk about in our study tonight. Let's start with this. Let's start with the meaning of encouragement. One of the reasons sometimes we walk away saying, you know what, I really wasn't encouraged. I I want some encouragement and I wished you would encourage me. And you weren't very much encouragement to me. Those kinds of thoughts come because we may not understand what encouragement is. So let's define encouragement as it's used in the Bible. Let's start with this. Let's talk about the meaning of encouragement. Let's talk about what it does not mean. Encouragement does not mean a mere pat on the back, kind of boy, you did a good job, way to go. Now that might involve some encouragement when someone's doing what's right and we commend them and we do give them a verbal pat on the back and say, look, you're doing good, keep on keeping on. We'll talk about that in a moment. Well, I don't want to suggest to you as the Bible uses the term encouragement, it is not merely just a pat on the back out of all you're doing good. Encouragement involves far more than that. Secondly, encouragement is not staying all positive where there is no rebuke and no correction. For example, if you're not living up to the standard of God and someone encourages you, and I use that term properly, to do better, you may take that as a rebuke. You may take that as a correction. But that's also encouragement, and we'll show that from the New Testament here in a few moments. So encouragement is not just staying all positive. I need encouragement. I want people to be positive around me. That's not necessarily encouragement, as it's used in the New Testament. Thirdly, it's not assuring one that their problems are not their fault. Some people have the concept that encouragement involves that if if I am in the midst of problems, I need someone to tell me it's not my fault. It's everybody else's fault but mine, and so I need some encouragement. I wish people would rush to my side and tell me that all the problems I'm facing, I have nothing to do with that. I, I didn't contribute to my problems, and that's my encouragement. Those are not the idea of encouragement. Well, what does encouragement mean? Well, encouragement means to enable another to meet their difficulty with confidence. I not you to stop and think about that for a moment. There may be other Christians who are facing some difficulty and they need confidence to face that difficulty, that challenge before them. And my encouragement enables them to face that difficulty with confidence. So let's go to Colossians 2 and see this point. This is Paul in writing to the Colossians, and he wanted the brethren to know of some of the conflicts he had been through. And things that he had endured. So let's look at Colossians 2 and in verse 2, starting with verse 1. I want you to know the great conflict which I had for you and those of Laodicea, and as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged. Now, I'm going to finish part of that verse in a moment, but I want you to get the picture. I want you to know the conflicts that I have been through, the difficulties I've been through. I want you to understand all I have endured. His point is not so that you can feel sorry for Paul. I want you to know all I have endured, the difficulties that I faced for this reason. Look at verse 2. That their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love. But what am I learning from that? Well, let's listen to Barclay on uh, Colossians 2 and in verse 2. I think he captured the thought of what Paul is trying to say. He said, Paul prays that their hearts may be encouraged. The word which, is used, uh, which he uses is parakleon. Sometimes that word means comfort. Sometimes to exhort. But always behind it, there is the idea of enabling a person to meet some difficult situation bravely and with confidence. One of the Greek historians uses it in a most interesting and thought-provoking way. There was a Greek regiment that had lost heart. And utterly dejected and a general <coughs> sent a leader to talk to them with such purpose as their courage was reborn. And a body of dispirited men became fit again for heroic action. That is what parakaleon means here. It is Paul's prayer that the church may be filled with that courage which can cope with any situation. So here are some, here are some brethren who, who are lacking courage. To face their difficulties, and Paul is saying, I want them to be encouraged. I want them to have the courage so that they can face that difficult circumstance. Now, I'm beginning to understand encouragement. Encouragement has to do with enabling another to meet the difficulty with some confidence. Let's go back now to the Old Testament, and it means to strengthen someone closely connected with that idea. Let's go back to Deuteronomy 1. And I want to see a connection between Deuteronomy 1 and Deuteronomy 3. Deuteronomy chapter 1, this is um, Moses' first sermon as he is preaching. Deuteronomy 1 and in verse 38. The point being made that those who came out of Egypt were not allowed to enter in, with the exception of Joshua and Caleb. Concerning Joshua, he said this that the Lord is also angry with, I'm reading now at verse, uh, verse 37 me for your sake, saying, even you shall not go in there, but Joshua, verse 38, the son of Nun who stands before you, shall go in there. Now what do we do with Joshua? Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. Now what does it mean encourage him? Well, hold your thought there, and let's go to chapter 3, and in verse 28. But command Joshua, encourage and strengthen him. What does it mean? Well, it means you encourage him because he's going to be your leader. What he has the idea of, as he goes on to say in chapter 3, is strengthen him. Help give him the strength by your encouragement or by your giving him courage so that he is enabled to go forward and do that which is indeed difficult leading these people. Now let's go to the book of Ezra, if you will. If you don't have a Bible, perhaps there's one in the pew close to you. We're going to be tracing a number of references tonight, both in Old and New Testament, getting the idea of encouragement. Now, what is encouragement? We're trying to define it. Look at chapter 1 and in verse 6. This is when Ezra comes on the scene and he was strengthened by something. I want you to notice Ezra chapter 1 and in verse 6. This is the decree that was given by Cyrus concerning the, the rebuilding and the repopulation uh, period. When the leaders come back, people gave willingly, notice it verse 6, Ezra 1 and in verse 6. Then all those who were around them encouraged them with articles of silver and gold, with goods and with livestock. Your footnote may say they were strengthened their hands with the gold and silver. In other words, all that they gave strengthened them and enabled them to do what they needed to do. But that was called encouragement in the New King James. By strengthening them to do whatever they need to do. Let's go further. It means to plead to action. Now this is interesting because in Luke chapter 15, you remember the elder son in Luke 15. Then when he came back to the household and saw all the celebration of the younger son who had come back, uh, he got mad and would not go in. And his father came out, look at Luke 15 and in verse 28, and pleaded with him the word translated pleaded is the word that is translated encouragement in other texts. It is simply means he, he, he pled for him to take action. I want you to come in. So encouragement may be pleading for some action. Listen to Vines. Vines makes this observation that the word... By the way, when the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit being a comforter, same word, same root word, same lemma form of this concept of encouragement... Same concept. It means literally to call to one's side. To call to one's aid. It is used for every kind of calling of a person which is meant to produce a particular effect. So it is the idea of calling to one's side because you're wanting to have a certain impact upon them. So why do you call them to their side? It might be to comfort. It might be to exhort. It's the idea of calling or beseeching. So here is the idea in Luke chapter 15, you are beseeching and begging someone, I want you to do this, I encourage you to take this action, I encourage you, or I am begging and pleading with you to do thus and so, that's encouragement, according to Luke chapter 15. Let's go to another passage, this one may seem a little bit strange, let's go to 1 Kings 22 and in verse 13, I want to make a couple of points from 1 Kings 22. And that is, encouragement can involve assuring one that is doing what is right, that they're going to be okay in that, and they're right in what they're doing, and everything's going to turn out just fine. But that wasn't the case here But I'm in 1 Kings 22, but I want us to look at a principle, and then we're going to make some application of that. 1 Kings chapter 22. I want you to notice in 1 Kings 22, beginning back in the first part of the chapter, that the text talks about Jehoshaphat and Ahab are trying to decide whether they're going to take, uh, uh, go and fight with Ramoth Gilead. Are they going to fight? And so Jehoshaphat suggested they consult the prophets about that. And they did, and the prophets all said, go, go do that, go do that. That's what you need to do. And Jehoshaphat said, is there any other prophet around? Well, there's Micaiah, but I don't like Micaiah, Ahab says, because he doesn't prophesy what I want to hear. So when they come to Micaiah, the, the messenger, look at verse 13, that went to Micaiah, here's what he told him. He said, now listen, the words of the prophets with one accord encourage the king. Please let your word be like the word of one of them and speak encouragement. Here's what he's thinking of doing. Here's what he's planning on doing. You tell him that what he's doing is okay. All I'm using this verse for is to define encouragement. He was encouraging him in the wrong direction, but encouragement is telling someone that what they're doing is right. You're headed in the right direction. Keep on in the right direction. That's what I'm learning from that. He received encouragement from these false prophets. So that's what you need to do, Micaiah. So what I'm defining is the concept of encouragement. It's to enable another to meet their difficulty with confidence, to strengthen them, to plead for action, to assure the one that is doing what's right that they're okay. Keep doing what is right. But let's stay with that same verse. I want you to learn, understand something. And that is it's possible to encourage without a basis for that. It is altogether possible I could encourage someone, look, you're doing what is right. You're on the right course. You're doing the right thing. I've encouraged them, but there may not be any basis for it. First Chronicles is the same account we find in first Kings we just read. And that's where these false prophets encouraged to go fight with Ramoth Gilead when the prophet of God had not said so. So it's possible someone could give me a pat on the back and say, all you're doing good, when I may not be doing good. It's possible someone could say, what you're doing is right when what I'm doing is wrong. I need to make sure that there is basis for my encouragement. Here's the second thing we need to talk about. And we'll have a better understanding of the meaning of encouragement. Let's talk about the need for encouragement. Why do we need encouragement? Well, first of all, because we get discouraged. Now, what do we mean by discouraged? The idea of being discouraged means it's the opposite of being encouraged. It is the idea of being deprived of courage and being deprived of confidence. Confidence. When I'm lacking confidence and I'm lacking courage, then I am discouraged. I'll give you some Bible examples of that. Now, let's take, for example, this first one of Israel in Numbers 21 and in verse 4. So go back to the book of Numbers. We won't take the time to trace all of this. It's an interesting study of Numbers 21 within itself. But in Numbers 21... And verse 4, the text tells us that Israel, as they came to cross the land of Edom, or going to try to at least, the text says they had to go around the land of Edom and the soul of the people became very weary, discouraged on the way. Now let's get the picture. Here is the idea. The children of Israel over here at Kadesh Barnea, they want to go across the land of Edom, but chapter 20 says they were forbidden to do that. So what they had to do is they had to go all the way around Edom and make it all the way up to the east side of the the river so that they could cross over the river. That's what they had to do. Now here's the picture. The picture is they had been forbidden to pass through Edom. They became very discouraged. Two translations say they became very impatient. In other words, things are not going like they planned. One of the reasons we get discouraged is things are not going like I had planned for them to go. I had thought I was going in this direction and found out I've got some problems now. That's what they found out. Now the text says they became discouraged or impatient on the way. Two or three translations make the point, American Standard, New King, a New American Standard King James footnote, that they didn't just get discouraged because, uh, uh, on the way, but because of the way. In other words, because of that long journey around. Because they had to go so far, and because things weren't going like they had planned, they are now discouraged. So now what happens? They turn against God, and they begin to complain according to verse 5. So we need encouragement because we get discouraged. Here's another example. Let's take Elijah. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 19. Time would forbid us to go in detail about Elijah. But I do want to talk a little bit about Elijah, about how he became discouraged. He reached the point where he was pretty low. He was pretty discouraged. What was the case with Elijah? Well, we have this idea. The great prophets of old some kind, somehow were men of steel, of unreal temperament. They don't know what it's like to go through what I'm going through. But you know, the book of James says he had a nature like ours. He's no different than me, and he's no different than you. He had the same kind of emotions that you have, the same kind of feelings that you have. And consequently, the text tells me in 1 Kings chapter 19... He reached a point because of Jezebel trying to kill the prophets. He's fleeing from her. And I want you to notice 1 Kings chapter 19 and in verse 4, he prayed that he might die. So what's the point? Elijah reached the point he thought no one cared about him. Have you ever reached that low? He reached a point he thought no one wanted to do what was right. Look at verse 10. He said, I alone am left and they seek to take my life. He's reached the point he was lonely and he just soon dies to live. He's discouraged. He struggled, and so do we. So we need encouragement, because we like Elijah, get discouraged. Let's look at a New Testament example. Israel got discouraged when he had to go around Edom. Elijah got discouraged when they're after him and going to kill him, and he thinks he's the only one left doing what's right. The Hebrew Christians, to whom the book of Hebrews, were, were greatly discouraged. Let's get the picture. This is the whole point in the thrust of the book, by the way. Look at chapter 12 with me, if you will. Chapter 12 of the book of Hebrews. He said, look at verse 3, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you be weary and discouraged in your souls. Here's the danger they faced. The severe persecution they were under had the threat of discouraging them. It was already, look at verse 5. Do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by by him. You see, the persecution was discouraging to them. How so? Look at verse 12. Verse 12 says, strengthen the hands which hang down and the knees which are feeble. It is a description of one about to collapse because that spiritually is their condition. They are greatly discouraged. Now, what I want to suggest to you is that might be prompted by many things that we do not have time to develop. Because I want to get to something else. Why do we need encouragement? Because we are discouraged sometimes at the sin of other people. Maybe someone in our family. It might be physical problems or sickness that we or our family are facing. It might be material or financial reverses. It might be our own sin. It might be the death of a loved one. The case of Jesus departing from the disciples. He said, let not your heart be troubled. He knew they were going to be discouraged. John 14 and in verse 1. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. We're still developing the idea of the need for encouragement. The need for encouragement is seen in the fact that God, 2 Corinthians 7, and in verse 6 says, Comforts the downcast. Paul inspiration said God comforts the downcast. I like these other translations of that. The New Century says God comforts the, the trouble." you American, the depressed. The NLT says the discouraged. God comforts those who are discouraged. Here's what I conclude from that. The comfort and encouragement I need. Listen to this carefully. The comfort and encouragement that I need, God gives. So when I begin to cry out, you know what, I need encouragement. This text says God gives it. He may be giving it in ways I'm not recognizing God comforts the downcast, the discouraged. God does that. Well, let's consider that I need to know how God does that. Because it might be God is doing that for me, and I'm thinking I need encouragement, and God's giving it, and I'm saying I still need encouragement because I'm not recognizing the encouragement. Maybe I'm getting it, and I don't recognize it. Let's go to another principle. Go to 1 Thessalonians 5 and in verse 14. Paul writes to the Thessalonians, and as he's wrapping up his letter toward the end, he gives some miscellaneous things to talk about. And as he talks about some miscellaneous things, he he mentions that we are to comfort the fainthearted, he says. The American Standard says encourage the fainthearted, or to encourage the discouraged. That's not the rebellious, the unruly mentioned in the context. They're not to be encouraged, they're to be rebuked. But here are those who are weak and discouraged. And it's not that they are, they're not even in the category, by the way, of those that are weak spiritually or those that are rebellious. It's those who are just discouraged, the faint hearted. Encourage them, it says. So not only does God give me comfort, the Bible tells me as a Christian that I am to offer comfort and encouragement to others. So what do I learn from that? I learned that encouragement is needed from that. That's our point we're driving at. But I also learned this, that I need to know how to encourage. If I am to encourage somebody, I need to know how to do that. How can I encourage them? What things can be done to encourage another? So let's spend the rest of our time talking about the means of encouragement. I know the meaning of encouragement. I know there's a need for it. Let's talk about the means of encouragement. Where do we get encouragement? How am I encouraged? And when you begin to think, you know what, I need encouragement. Where can I look for the sources of encouragement? What are the means of encouragement? Let's list a number of these and, and see what we can do with those as far as encouraging ourselves. Let's start with this. Let's go back to the Old Testament for a moment. Second Chronicles, if you will. We'll go to two or three passages in the Old Testament, then we're going to come to the new. 2 Chronicles 28, if you will. And in verse 19, we can be encouraged by example. We can encourage by example. You want to be an encouragement to others? Then be a good example. Here's a principle we're going to learn. The Bible talks about Ahaz. He was a king uh, for, he's a bad king for 16 years, king of Judah for 16 years. For the Lord had brought Judah low because Ahaz, king of Israel, for he had encouraged moral decline in Judah. How had he done that? Look at the rest of the verse. And he had been continually unfaithful to the Lord. Here is a man who is continually unfaithful to the Lord, and that tells us that he had encouraged moral decline. He didn't have to go around telling people, you know what, you need to go down spiritually. Give up your service to the Lord. If he's just as a leader unfaithful, he had encouraged that by his example. That's what I want you to see. So when, when you're around other Christians and you see other people that are, in, that are what they should be, that should be encouraging to you. So you say, I, I went to church today, but I, I just didn't walk away too, too encouraged. Did you see anybody that's living like they should? Do you remember brother so-and-so that, that uh, has impeccable character? Remember sister so-and-so that is that faithful, diligent student of the word? Those people that are what they should be should be an encouragement to you. You ought to be encouraged just by their example of who they are and what they are. That they continue to serve God. They haven't given up. They haven't quit. They have had struggles, but they didn't quit. They have more struggles and they didn't quit. Examples are encouraging. Here's another thing. Let's go with the. Same book, 2 Chronicles 32 now, beginning at verse 6. This is Hezekiah now. This is when Sennacherib, king of Assyria, was invading Jerusalem. And Hezekiah now comes on the scene, and he took counsel with his leaders. I'm reading at verse 3 of what we're going to do about this problem of Sennacherib. And we'll not read all of that story, but I want to get down to verse 6. That he set military captains over the people and gathered them together to him. In the open square of the, the city gate and gave them encouragement. Now how did he encourage them? Let's look at verse 7. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed before the king of Assyria. Nor befall the multitude that is with him. For they are more with us than with him. With him there is the arm of flesh. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people were strengthened by the words Hezekiah, king of Judah. See the point? How were they encouraged? They were encouraged because Hezekiah assured them the Lord is with us. We're doing the right thing. And furthermore, there is no need for fear. And the text says that he encouraged them, but then the text turns around and uses another word for encouragement. They were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah. They were made stronger. That's what encouragement is. It's what it involves. Let's look at another Let's go to the book of Ezra this time. Ezra 7. The book of Ezra, chapter 7, we have a letter from Artaxerxes as Ezra is is arriving for his work in chapter 7. He's going to lead the second group, the text tells us. We won't have time to read the letter nor are we interested in doing that at this juncture? i want to tell you what the letter was about. Here's what Artaxerxes said. He gave them permission to go back. He gave them permission to take gifts to Jerusalem. He gave them permission to use the funds that they take for their sacrifices. He gave them the authority to spend from the king's treasurer. And he told them that the priesthood would be exempt from taxes. All of that was, was overwhelmingly good toward Israel as they're about to, to rebuild. So I want you to notice now what verse 28 says. Here's what Ezra's response. He said, starting with verse uh, 27, Blessed be the Lord God of our fathers who's put such a thing in the king's heart to beautify the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem and has extended mercy before me, the king and his counselors, and before the king's uh, mighty princes. So I was encouraged as the hand of the Lord my God was upon me. See, when he got this message and he saw the Lord's blessing us richly, he was encouraged, he said. So you want to be encouraged? Look at how richly blessed you are and look at the hand of God upon you and that encourages you. That's an encouragement to see how God has answered our prayers, how God has richly blessed us and how we've been treated. Well, let's go further. Let's go down to the New Testament. Let's turn to Acts chapter 4 and in verse 36. What are some means of encouragement? You say, I want to be encouraged. Well, people who are encouraging by nature, they're encouraged. Not everybody is an encouraging person. Evidence of that would be here in Acts chapter 4 and verse 36. There was a disciple whom the apostles named Barnabas. His name was Joseph, verse 36. But they named him Barnabas, which is by translation son of encouragement. What does that mean? That means by nature... He was an encouraging kind of person that they basically nicknamed him encouragement. Let's call him Barnabas because that means the son of encouragement. He's an encourager by nature. He's just always encouraging people. He cares. He loves. He promotes. He lifts up. He tells them what they ought to be doing. He is an encourager. One of the sources of encouragement is people who indeed are encouraging. Let's go to Acts chapter 11. Let's go to Acts chapter 11. We're going to see a case where people were encouraged and what were they told? Acts 11, verse 23, this is when um, Barnabas goes to get Saul, and and, uh, Barnabas came as far as Antioch, and when he came, verse 23, and had seen the grace of God. This is the same man who was the encourager, chapter 4, verse 36. He was glad and encouraged them all. How did he encourage them? Let's read further. That with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. What's he doing He's encouraging them or urging them to continue on the right path. You're on the right path. Don't get off that path. You stay on that path. That's encouragement. Not just a pat on the back, but keep on this same path. You're on the right path. Stay on it and don't get off. Continue with the Lord. Let's go to another case. Romans 1 and in verse 12. Romans 1 and in verse 12. Being with brethren of mutual faith is encouraging. Paul said at verse 11, I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gift that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Paul said, I I can't wait to come and see you at, at Rome. I want to come and visit you so that when I get there, I can be encouraged. What are you going to be encouraged with, Paul? With the mutual faith, both of you and me. So what I'm learning from that is that when I'm with brethren of mutual faith, that ought to be encouraging to me when I'm in a local assembly. Even outside the assembly, when I'm with someone of mutual faith, that ought to be encouraging to me. When I go other places and I visit with brethren who have mutual faith, that we believe and practice the same things, that ought to be encouraging to me. When somebody visits here and worships with us and they have mutual faith, that ought to be encouraging to us. Paul said, If I could just be with you, I would be encouraged by the mutual faith that we have. Well, let's go further. This one's quite interesting because this wouldn't be thought of as being an encouragement. Let's go to Acts chapter 15. There was a disturbance in the church at Antioch, you remember. In fact, Acts 15 said there was no small dissension was quite some division going on in the church at Antioch over the question, the doctrinal question of whether or not circumcision was binding. They had to take the matter to the elders and the apostles in Jerusalem, and that's what Acts 15 is all about, this Jerusalem discussion. So when they came together to the apostles and prophets, or the apostles and elders about the matter, they sat down and they began to discuss it, and you'll recall how there was a speech made by Peter, there was a speech made by Paul and Barnabas, and there was one made by James. One appealed to a direct statement from God, another appealed to an an approved example, and another appealed to an inference. What I want to notice, though, is when we get to verse 28, the answer to the question was given by the Holy Spirit. Here is the revelation of God. So when they came to their conclusion about the question, they sent a letter to the church at Antioch saying, here's what we have concluded. Not what we voted on and decided. What the Holy Spirit has revealed to us is the answer to the question. So when that letter is taken, now let's start at verse 32. Verse 31, and when they read it, they rejoiced over, verse 32, its encouragement. Now isn't that interesting? You go back and read the letter, it begins at verse 23, and in through verse 29, and see if you see anything in the letter where they're patting them on the back, kind of a attaboy, you're doing a good job, y'all keep on. That wasn't the point of the letter The point of the letter was to do this. They learned a doctrinal point. Here is the thing in question. Is circumcision binding? And the letter was to set the matter straight. Circumcision is not binding because we learned that from the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And when the brethren learned that, they were encouraged. That's interesting. They were encouraged by the revelation from God. They were encouraged by that. So when I learned some doctrinal point, Maybe there's controversy in the church and we have a discussion, maybe it's a Bible class or maybe it's sermons or maybe it's a debate we have and there's controversy raging and when we see the truth clearly, somebody will walk away and say, I just get so discouraged over all this this controversy, it just makes me nervous and I get so discouraged. Learning the revelation of God ought to be encouraging the text says when I see clearly the revelation of God on the matter. Let's go to another case, 1 Corinthians 14. This was in the context of spiritual gifts. And some thought the tongues were the superior gift. But Paul is pointing out tongues without interpretation doesn't result in any learning or any revelation. So now notice he mentions about prophecy being the superior gift. He did that earlier in the chapter. But now to verse 31. For you can all prophesy one by one. In other words, there don't need to be confusion, speaking all at the same time. They need to be by order. And those that are not speaking need to be silent. Verse 30. Why? So that all may learn and all may be encouraged. How are they going to be encouraged? From the prophecy that he just mentioned. So all the excitement of the ecstatic jibber jabber or, or some kind of speaking in tongues that's not interpreted doesn't result in any kind of encouragement. But when there is clear revelation from God that is uttered, there is some encouragement that comes from that. That's how I'm encouraged. But let's go further. Here's something else. Let's go to Acts 27 and verse 36. Being assured of the promises of God and consequently then I need to focus elsewhere is a source of encouragement. What was the point? Well, this is in the midst of the shipwreck. Remember in Acts chapter 27. And when it looked like all life on the ship was going to be gone, Paul said, an angel appeared to me and told me that there'll be no loss of life. And he said at verse 25, I believe God that it should be just as he told me. You remember that story. Now, they hadn't eaten in a while, and you can understand why. Because in all the turmoil and all the excitement, thinking that we've got to get off ship, or we're about to die anyway, they, they can't focus on eating. And Paul assured them, the revelation of God told me, an angel of God told me this night, there'll be no loss of life. God has said, all must stay on ship. So let's pick up now at verse 36, and notice what he says. He said, our verse 35... Or verse 34. I urge you to take nourishment. For this is your survival. Not, since not a hair shall fall from the head of any one of you. There's the assurance of God. And when he had said these things, he took bread and he gave thanks in the presence of them all. And when they had broken it, they began to eat. And they were all encouraged. And also took food themselves. What does it mean they were encouraged? They were assured, God said everything's going to be all right. And since that's the case, we need to turn our focus, not on the crisis at hand, but in taking care of ourselves and we'll take nourishment for our bodies. Not to say the food was more important than the crisis, but when I'm assured of how the crisis is going to turn out, and I'm assured of the promise of God, then maybe I need to focus my attention to something that I've been neglecting. That's encouragement. That's encouragement. They were encouraged and they took food and they ate. Well, here's the last we'll mention in the lesson will be yours. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 2 and in verse 19. Paul told the Philippians that he was going to send Timothy to them. He said, I trust the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly that I may be encouraged when I know of your state, your condition, one translation says. What do I learn from that? one of the sources of encouragement or the means of encouragement is knowing and hearing that brethren are doing well. Paul didn't have to be with them at Philippi. He said, uh, I'm hoping Timothy's going to come to you and he'll give me a report. When when I get the report back from Timothy, when I see him, and he gets word back to me that everything's going well at Philippi, I'm going to be encouraged by that. And we ought to be encouraged when we hear of brethren doing well. When, When somebody goes and visits a church, wherever it may be, And they come back and say, you know, they're thriving, things are going well, they're growing, and they've just appointed elders, that ought to be encouraging to us. That's why sometimes when I'm off in meetings, come home, I tell you a little about the work. Hopefully that's encouraging. I'm basing that on Philippians 2 and other passages. That ought to be encouraging. When we read reports of men that we're supporting and they say things are going well, that ought to be encouraging to us. Say, I'm encouraged to hear the work's going well. That they've baptized somebody. They've appointed elders, appointed more deacons. Whatever the case may be. So what are some of the means of encouragement? Somebody being a good example, assuring us that the Lord's with us, seeing the Lord has blessed us, people who are encouraging, being urged to continue on, being with brethren of mutual faith, learning a doctrinal point, the revelation of God, being assured of the promises of God, and then hearing that brethren are doing well should be encouraging. What have we seen? Well, the meaning of encouragement, the need for encouragement. And finally, the means of being encouraged. May God help us to recognize when God is trying to encourage us. He may be giving me encouragement when I don't realize. That was a means of encouragement. That was supposed to encourage me. That was supposed to help me. There may be one or more present who's not a Christian, who's not a child of God. But you come believing that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. Would you repent of your sins, acknowledge your faith, and be buried in the waters of baptism for the remission of sins? If you're subject in any way, would you come while together we stand and while we sing?